professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 51, Starcade 1990. Collision course. Who's colliding? Well, a lot of people. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tagging. A lot of tagging. A lot of uh, tag teams that we've never seen before. Hopefully the finale. Colliding of the... with tag teams we have seen before. Black scorpions colliding, hopefully, to his... Demise? Demise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Starcade <laughs> is the eighth annual pay-per-view produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. The event would take place on December 16, 1990 at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. This is our first Keel? I believe so. I believe this is our first St. Louis show altogether. Oh, okay. The attendance for the show was 7,200 people. Great amount for a Starcade. I mean... You would, you would hope you'd have a... All of these shows are like... What was the last big one? I think they did like... like 16, 15 maybe? 15 at Great American Bash. But they all kind of hover around like five, six, yeah, seven. Yeah, it's right around the six, 7,000 usually for their big shows. Yeah. Things that were happening around December 16th. Edward Scissorhands mm. would be released the same weekend. Good movie. Favorite Johnny Depp movie? Tough one because my favorite Burton movie is Ed Wood. So I would say that forget, Ed Wood is my Edson. favorite, but I mean, this is great performance. Like, he came out, I think he did like Edward Scissorhands and like Crybaby in the same year. That's like pretty killer, pretty killer uh, twofer. Great double feature. I mean, everyone's favorite's usually Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Dead Man's Chest, gross, right? Gross, gross, gross. I've only saw the first one, and I didn't, <laughs> li- kidding, I didn't like it. The first one's the only one that is yeah. worth watching. Yeah, and I still couldn't do it. Just kind of like I've only ever seen the first Fast and the Furious, and I hated it. Like, when I was a kid and saw it in a theater. And I'm not a kid. I guess I was in high school. But, like, and I now, after, now after, I know after, they after become, like, like the, really... After, like, the fifth one, yeah. they're action movies. Yeah, it's, I've movies. heard they turn into, like, cool action movies that are, like, really fun. But it's like, well, I don't know if I have it in me to, like, go... Do I have to watch them all in order? Probably not. I mean... Is it, is it kind of like... Are they, like, basically how Mission Impossible movies rule now? And I guess they kind of all do. The second one kind of sucks. They're, but those movies are, like, really fun action movies that are, like, always done pretty stupid, decently. They're stupid popcorn flicks is yeah. basically what they are. Sometimes like, you want to watch a shitty movie. Exactly. If, if that's what you like, yeah. the Fast and Furious movies are I, uh, Yeah, I, I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to watch anything. There's, there's a time. little bit of a continuity. I mean, there's the pre-Paul Walker and the post-Paul Walker. Yeah. I, yeah. Rocks in some of them if you like the rock. John Cena's in the new one. Yeah, that was kind of the only reason I was like kind of interested. I was like, I don't mind saying like John Cena and Vin Diesel punch each other. I do really like the. Well, I wouldn't say I love, but I like the Riddick movies. I like the first one a lot. The second first one one's good. makes no sense and is weird. And I think the third one rules. I love it. I don't think I saw the third one. The third one's like the first one, but better. And the first 40 minutes is him on a planet by himself, like, fighting the elements, and I'm really into that. He gets, like, you know, like, they just, like, shoot him off, like, Planet Hulk style, 
and he's like fighting aliens uh, with like a broken leg. It rules. That does sound cool. It's cool. It's really cool. Anyway, enough Vin talk. Also, Ray Phoenix, one of AEW's uh, Lucha Brothers. Yeah. He was born two weeks later. Of what you've seen of Ray Phoenix? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you like if you like flips, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. Uh, are there. And Ray Phoenix is definitely uh, the flippier. Well, the first time I ever saw him was actually in Impact Wrestling. Oh, okay. When Hillman, Hillman and his brother Pentagon were doing, were up there, and Impact made Pentagon the bigger star. Yeah, because he, well, he always kind of a, like a more gritty style, doesn't he? He kind of known for doing more little, like. I mean, I guess everybody in Mexico he, does he was, like. He was facing off versus Sammy Callahan, so oh, okay. it was a little bit more hardcore stuff. In watching AEW, and also Ray Phoenix has had a couple matches versus Kenny Omega in Triple A. Oh yeah, there was one early this year, right? Uh, there's been a one earlier this year. But yeah, I think no. one late. I definitely well. was like, oh, Pentagon, he's the one. And then after seeing you know Ray Phoenix uh, and him, I was like, oh well. Ray then, Phoenix is definitely the the like they're both extremely athletic. I'm not taking anything away from Pentagon Jr., but both, Ray Phoenix is a little more athletic. They're both very good, but he's Ray also a little thin. Phoenix, he's also got a little less weight on him. Ray Phoenix is slightly bigger than Ray Mysterio, but he's got to be he's a lot bigger than Ray Mysterio. Right? I mean, he's taller, but like oh, you mean just like build wise? Build wise, they, yeah. they they have the same kind of build for their size. Yeah, but that's but Ray Ray like uh, classic Ray Mysterio is what. I feel like you get with Ray, Ray Phoenix. Phoenix yeah. And Ray Mysterio now is kind of what you get with Pentagon. They kind of have a similar build. Right? They're like kind of, you know, like agile, but like, you know, stocky, like kind of wider. But if you've never seen any Ray Phoenix, you should definitely. Yeah, it's a good time. Look him up. I know he had a great match with Nick Jackson actually on an AEW Dynamite. A singles match? A singles match. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think it was early December. When they had that match, but yeah, it sounds fun. He, is Nick Nick's super, the is Nick the more high risk one? Yes. Yeah, he's the balding one, right? Yeah. Okay. Check out Ray Phoenix matches if you have never watched anything of his. Yeah. He's very very good. But let's go ahead and get to the show. Uh huh. We get pictures of wrestlers on Star Trek logos. Yeah, yeah they like they fly in and they're it looks flying like, across the screen. It, it looks like the stars little, and meteors, yeah. but the little it looks like the little Star Trek logo that they wear on the chest. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a bubble version of an arrow. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, this had to have been intentional. Until the logo comes on the screen, and then Jim Ross and Paul E. Dangerously welcome yes. us to the show and run down the card. And they say and we we're going to have lots of fireworks. They're starting to spend some money. On these, uh, on this pyro, on the old pyro, yeah. Uh, Jr. tells us that we're going to have the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Team Tournament on this show. Yeah, we figured figured all that out. The whole O'Connor thing, O'Connor Gate. Yeah, Pat O'Connor <laughs> was a former NWA champion. We've talked about him in the Dusty Finish. Yeah, uh, yeah. A but the, I'm talking about the O'Connor Roll. The, the O'Connor <laughs> Roll. Uh, we talk about that every week. It feels like, uh, but he had just passed away. Um, like uh, yeah. a, a few weeks before this show, so that's why they decided to do this tournament in his um, memorial. That's cool. I wish the tournament had memorial memorialized, memorialized him, him better, a little strong. Yeah, with, with a little bit stronger. Not to get ahead of ourselves. I'll, yeah, burying the lead. Uh, then Gary Michael Capetta announces Sam Mushnick, uh, who's accompanied by Missy Hyatt to the ring. 
Sam Mushnick is a former NWA president, and he's from St. Louis, so when he used to run shows, he was a big St. Louis guy. Mushnick tells us, welcomes everyone to St. Louis, and then Capetta tells us that the show is being beamed to our men and women overseas in Saudi Arabia, and then the national anthem is played. That is one thing that, uh, like, NWA, WCW, JCP, you know, what the, what the, the, the real wrestlers do over here is honor history. <laughs> Whereas, like, WWF's like, ah, we, like, even now, it's like, you know, they rename everybody, like, don't ever talk about other people's pasts on their shows, like, it's just like, oh, like, they start everything starts fresh over there and over here they're like oh like let's tell you a little bit about pat o'connor let's have a memorial like exactly embrace the history exactly Uh uh-huh but vince is over there writing his own and still rewriting history to this day so we're headed off to our first match we got beautiful bobby eaton versus the z man and while each wrestler walks down a screen comes on and shows their stats Oh, yeah, yeah. So we get Starcade stats for every person that comes to the ring. It's kind of cool. It's smart to, like, let people know. I mean, obviously, most people are getting the... If you're, I guess if you're going to get a paper, this pay-per-view, it's, like, the kind of their WrestleMania. So it's like, oh, like, you might want to check it out. You might be newer to the product and doing this on a big show. Yeah, it's kind of the... Makes more sense basically than... Basically, it was just kind of the tell-of-the-tape kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of gave a little blurb. Like, it tells us that this is Eaton's first pay-per-view in a one-on-one bout. I know, I was excited about that. And Z-Man is on a 35-bout winning streak. Jesus. Why the Z-Man? Why couldn't they just call him Tom Zink? Wouldn't you rather be called Z-Man? I don't know. Tom Zink's not a bad name. It's not. Probably not even his real name. It might be. I'm not sure. It's like, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, he's Sting, but they call him the Stinger. It's like, oh, Tom Zink, but we call him the Z-Man. Or, yeah, Big Z. As everyone's getting ready, JR tells us that Ric Flair has had to pull out of the Horseman Street fight with Doom because of injuries. What do you hurt? We'll learn more about it later. Okay. But this is where he first tells us to Yeah, to let's light, on, light on the Flair this evening. And when he said it, I was all like... Our first Starcade without Ric Flair? Yeah. He is Mr. Starcade. That's true. What are we ever going to do? Without him, I'm not sure. But the match gets going. We get a pair of shoulder tackles by Z-Man. He starts running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, goes to the corner, and jumps to the top rope, coming off with a crossbody. Then does another before hitting a body slam. That's a, that's a lot off the top. Paul E. lets us know why Eaton no longer has a tag team partner. It's because he started dating Yoko Ono. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, cold. I do love that Paul is here. Because I love Bob I love Bob Cottle. But you I don't, don't love, love Bob him. Cottle. Like, I, appreci- Bob I appreciate Cottle. Bob Cottle and what he, is, what he did for wrestling. But it was like, I can't have JR and Bob Cottle here no. for too long. Otherwise, it's just... We need some color in that yeah, color commentary. All, yeah, all of the voices turn to like... Uh, Charlie Brown. Like Charlie, yeah, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, yeah. Football. Burt Reynolds. Yes, football, Burt Reynolds, uh, college education. Zink grabs a hammerlock, but Bobby backs him into the corner before popping him in the mouth. Eaton's running the rope. Z-Man with the leapfrog and the drop toehold takedown. 
looks to work on the leg, but beautiful Bobby kicks him off into the ropes. But Z-Man bounces back into a monkey flip, landing to his feet, and delivers multiple drop kicks. Eaton would gain control with the right hand to send Z-Man out to the rampway. Tries to bring him back in with a vertical suplex, but Z-Man reverses to send beautiful Bobby onto the rampway, followed by a plancha. G.A.R. lets us know that the vertical suplex was legal because Z-Man was on the apron and not inside the ring. Yeah. So he won't be disqualified for Eaton going over the top row. Yeah, it kind of looked like a weird botch on that uh, apron spot beforehand, but I was like, eh, makes it look more real. J.R. also calls Paul E. a psycho ceramic. Yes, and Paul E., great here, uh, fires back. And if you don't know what a psycho ceramic means, it's basically just a crackpot. Like, yeah, yeah. crazy theories. It's like, oh, a psycho, yeah, instead of psycho, psycho ceramic. Jesus. I was, it it took me, it took me back. I was like, not to to a place, but just like took me aback where I was like, wait, what did I just hear? (laughs) Like, what, what a, what a bizarre pun. Exactly. Z-Man with right hands tosses Bobby to the corner, charges into a back elbow, and then Eaton with a bulldog and the Alabama jam. Z-Man's crawling to the corner, so Bobby charges in with a Bronco Buster, but Zink has moved. Back body drop, drop kick by Zink, but Eaton gets his foot on the ropes. Bum, bum, bum. Bobby's tossed to the ropes. Z-Man ducks his head, allowing Eaton to hit a swinging neck breaker and heads to the top rope. Beautiful Bobby comes off right into a super kick by Z-Man, who then goes to the top rope himself, but misses the missile drop kick. Hell yeah. And Eaton, with an inside cradle, gets the pin, and, and the win. win. This is how you do a start of a show. This was a great opener. Great opener. And great Bobby, opener, and, and you're building Eaton Bobby Eaton. As, like, as a singles guy? Yeah. And here's the thing. So, oddly enough, Zink had just defeated Arn Anderson for the TV title. But the airing, it wouldn't air oh, until yeah. after the show. So yeah, but I did like so that Bobby they were like... Eaton would become a contender for the TV title because of this win. Yeah, I love that. And um, that Z, they talk about Z's like winning streak, you know. So that's cool. They're, they're building Bobby Eaton up. It seemed like the guys like didn't have the most chemistry, but they probably hadn't, you know, had a lot of singles matches together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Z and Pillman were, they might have done some... Uh, some circuits where it's, you know, Pillman and Z-Man versus Midnight's. Midnight's but, back when yeah, they were all there. But, you know, yeah. like, a singles match is new for Eaton, so, like, it wasn't extremely smooth, but it was a wonderful first match. I agree. Totally great. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Dick the Bruiser. And Dick the Bruiser is a WCW and Wrestling Observer Newsletter and two-time professional wrestling Hall of Famer. Tony tells us that Dick will be the special guest referee in the world title match. Because he's the champ of the cage match. Or so he says. And he doesn't take shit from anybody. No. He he looks uh, like he doesn't take shit from anybody. Exactly. (laughs) That's for damn sure. He's He's a brick wall. Gary Capetta then announces the Parade of Nations with national flags to represent each team in the Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup. And when we see a very large trophy brought down to the ring. I think they like say that it's like seven feet tall or something like that. What are you going to even do with it? It's bigger than Christmas tree. Some lovely ladies are bringing each flag out and kind of walking the yeah. walking the rampway with those. And then JR and Pauly go over the bracket of the tournament, which leads us right to our second match of the night. Oh, you didn't want to detail the bracket? 
kidding. I'm kidding. It's very unnecessary. So our second match, Colonel DeClerc and Sergeant Kruger from South Africa versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott representing the United States in a tournament quarterfinal match. Colonel DeClerc is actually better known as Rocco Rock, one half of Public Enemy. And he is a hardcore Hall of Famer. Oh, is that a Tommy Dreamer's Hall of Fame? ECW, baby. Yeah, but like Tommy Dreamer's in charge, right? Uh, no, it's the 2300 Arena. It's okay. what used to be called the ECW Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I know the I know the 2300 Arena, but I didn't. I just figured it's like, oh, doesn't Tommy Dreamer do like the House of Hardcore House and all of hardcore, that? I figure he's like the only person that's still like holding the flag. I think Al Snow runs the 2300 Arena quite a bit. Oh, as really? Well with his promotion. Sergeant Kruger is also better known as the second Doink the Clown. Oh. What, oh, I can't remember their names. The two guys that were Doink. I mean, it wasn't Sergeant. His name's his name not Sergeant Kruger. But I can't think of their, their shoot names. The first one was named Matt Bourne. Yeah. He was on the first WrestleMania, but we haven't seen him since then. And then this guy, who was Sergeant Kruger, I can't remember what his name was, but he yeah. would be the second one after Bourne leaves the WWF. Yeah, the first live wrestling I ever saw was in a, like, college, or, like, a basketball, like, it was in a small, like, college or high school or whatever, yeah, and uh, there was definitely a doink there, a doink there, or somebody pretending to be doink there. I don't think it was an official WWF thing, but I was a little kid. I was like, like, oh, this might have been a real doink. This, This had to have been, like, at the earliest, like, 94 and at like the latest 96 is my guess in my head i was a really little kid i'm not real sure exactly when doink starts showing up so yeah i think in the next year or so but the match gets going we get a back suplex by kruger he drops an elbow and goes for a body slam but rick floats over and goes for an o'connor roll but sarge holds onto the ropes and rick hits a steiner line steiner then throws Which of course we get a huge pop steiner then throws <laughs> kruger to the ropes Misses a back elbow and drops his head, allowing himself to be kicked by Sarge. The South Africans with a double team toss. Rick ducks a double clothesline and comes back with a double Steiner line. <sighs> DeClerc with a body slam hits a spinning Savat kick to send Rick to the outside and does a somersault flip over the ropes, but Steiner no sells it and just drops the Colonel onto the floor. I thought the no sell was very disrespectful for something so cool. I was like, what? I kind of feel like he probably just didn't tell Rick what he was going to do. And yeah. So he comes flying over and Rick's just like... Unfortunately, that's kind of the vibe what? for a these... A lot of these for, matches. A lot of, yeah, I would say uh, all of them. Because there's, like, everybody has, like, some kind of talent, but it feels like that they talked about it 10 minutes before they went out. Seven of the eight teams feel like they have some oh, talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a an obvious stinker. The Kruger, uh, Kruger comes off the apron with an elbow to the back of Rick's neck before everyone rolls back in. And then DeClerc goes for a clothesline, but Rick ducks, tags in Scott, body slams both South Africans. It's a tilt-a-whirl Ooh, I love that Kruger, tilt-a-whirl. And then a Frankensteiner for the pin and, and the, the win. win. I definitely would not have lost money on this match if I were to be betting. There's only one match <laughs> in this entire tournament that... Was kind of like, oh, I wonder who's gonna win it. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's our very next match. Oh, okay, all right. The third match of our evening, mm-hmm. Chris Adams, gentleman Chris Adams, for 
for those that know him better that way. Yeah. And Norman Smiley, who people might remember from WC from late WCW. They're representing Great Britain versus Conan and Rey Mysterio Sr. Mm-hmm. Representing Mexico. But it says Rey Mystic on like the on the screen. I may think maybe they they were like, oh well, like they CMLL is gonna sue us. Well, I think it was Mystic, uh, Mystico. Yeah, is what they was what they wrote. But he, but Jr. was saying Mysterio. Yeah, yeah. I just remember seeing like the it written down. I was like, oh, okay. And Conan looks amazing. Is the Conan that we all know and love mm-hmm. from WCW? But he is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. That's it. Out of these four guys, he is the only one that's in a Hall of Fame. Oh man, which I was I found completely yeah. shocking. It's crazy uh, how incredible. Conan looks early in his career, and it's just like, well, probably still really strong, but like he looks crazy. Just yeah, he's crazy cut. So the Mexicans get Smiley in a double overhead wrist lock, which he flips out of and into Japanese arm drags, but then runs into a double clothesline. The Mexicans have Norman on his head, about to do a wishbone, when Adams comes into the ring, jumps over Smiley, and ducks under a double clothesline. And the British hit stereo drop kicks to send the Mexicans to the rampway. Hell yeah. Back in the ring, Adams reverses a Mysterio Irish whip, hitting a knee to the gut and a super kick to send Ray to the floor. And just so you know, mm-hmm. gentleman Chris Adams is kind of the guy who came up with the super kick. Is he? Yeah. It's basically one of the things he's known for, along with training many But like so like when did when did when was he that? Because we see super kicks. We've seen if, super kicks, yeah. but he's kind of the guy that it like does the like the, that made it a thing. Yeah, as ma- a finisher basically. Yeah, okay. Because we normally we see it as like savat kick, yeah, or whatever. But we haven't really seen the the super kick as we all know it today, no and have, uh, yeah, maybe see it a little too much these days. But we still love it. Super, super kick, kick party. <laughs> Conan in with a springboard arm drag on Smiley, leapfrogs a charging Norman and runs to the opposite corner, leaps up, but Smiley catches his legs. So Conan turns it into a head scissor takedown. Love it. I love a spot like that. Conan with an Irish whip, but ducks his head, allowing Norman to hit a fisherman's suplex. Also, love a fisherman's suplex. Not enough of those. Right hand's traded before Conan tries to take Smiley over with a backslide, but can't quite get him over. Until Mysterio comes in with a drop kick to help. But Adams is there to break up the pin. Also love that whole thing. You know, when you can't quite get him, get him down and your buddy comes in, kicks him, helps hits him, helps you out. It's tag team wrestling. Chris with a snapmare into a reverse chin lock, but Conan escapes and tags in Ray. And the Mexicans are going for a double team leg sweep. But Smiley makes a save with a double drop kick. So this is a good match, right? This is a very. This is a great match. This is the best match of the Pat O'Connor tag team tournament. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also the one where it's like I don't know who's gonna win because I was like I popped hard exactly. for my Mexican brothers because I knew them, but I wasn't super familiar with Norman Smiley or Chris Adams, so I didn't know what to expect. And then they Chris come Adams out here. is the only one that I'd never seen wrestle before. I feel like as I'd far heard, as I know, I'd heard, but I'd heard of him. Okay, I knew the name Norman Smiley. I feel like I was like I was like that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know why. He was in late WCW, like yeah, right but that's before, not a right thing. That's not a thing that I would even like would register for me. I don't think. Mysterio then charges in at Norman, who moves and sends Ray through the ropes, hitting the ring steps on his way out. 
In the ring, Adams hits a super kick on Conan into a bridging German suplex by Smiley, but the ref is out of position, so it's only a one count. The British begin to work on Conan with double teams, keeping him close to their corner, and Adams with a clothesline and a shoulder tackle. Chris begins to run the ropes when Mysterio comes in, and the Mexicans hit double back elbows on Adams, descending to the floor, and then hit a double back body drop on Norman. Uh, poor Norman. Conan with a reverse suplex on Smiley out of the corner, bridges backwards over the legs for the pin <gasps> and the win. Yeah, dude, that bridge... Everything, everything about this is everything really great. Match is just, it's really good. So, so much lucha stuff going on in this match, and Norman and Chris Adams can they can hang can and they hang have they have like the answers for it. They can participate in some of it. It's like yeah, it's like oh, maybe are they, like they're the they're the British team, right? Yeah. So you know they also you'd assume based on the stereotype they have more of a catch style anyway which seems to work well with Lucha in general. So post-match, Mysterio goes for a plancha to Adams, but we don't see him hit it. But the camera finally cuts to him, and he's laying on the ground between Adams, a oh, chair, yeah. and the ring steps. It looked really bad. Like, what you didn't see or could see. Yeah, it looks like he hurt himself really bad. And I like remember rewinding a couple times to see if I could catch any of it or whatever, because I was like, what happened? I was like, I don't think this is an angle. Because the match is over. No, I I think he just didn't land something yeah. correctly. I think maybe Adams, he was just excited. Adams didn't, Adams didn't catch him. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure. One of those things like, ooh, he didn't need to do that, man. But I was worried for him. We then go to the stage. Missy Hyatt's there with Michael Wall Street and Alexandria York. Michael Wall Street is our former Captain Mike Rotunda. Yes, he put away... Uh, his he, yeah he, he put away the yacht he, he docked his docked his yacht tossed the cap and bought himself a suit and moved and moved to the moved to the city moved to the city mm-hmm. now the only uh, boats he's taken are ferries to his Long Island home and Alexandria York is better known as Marlena mm-hmm. from the WWF Terry Runnels and uh, we have to mention that Do she we? is looking yes very. She looks real. She looks real cute with her glasses on and her exactly. computer, and she has like super like hot teacher vibes. Yes. Like I yeah, like she could totally be in. Uh, like if you thought Marlena was hot, yeah. Roll back to this, and she's even hotter. It's, she's definitely got some like you know Van Van Halen music video vibes. And Alexander York has a computer. Yep. That she types in all the information and it predicts. Who will win the match? I love the gimmick. And it I love predicts it. that Wall Street will win his match. Oh, what is it? They have it all time in now. less than eight minutes mm-hmm. and thirty-two seconds. Yes. Also, I was like, I didn't realize Missy Hyatt was like six foot tall. Yeah, she's tall. She's like, especially like, heels. I mean, on. yeah, like obviously, you know, Marlena, Alexandria York, Terry Runnels, like, is short. Has always been short, but I didn't realize how tall Missy Hyatt was, and I was like. Missy Hyatt's like a She's foot and a like half taller. Five, than her. Nine, you think so? Five ten, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Then Alexandria York must be like five two. Oh, yeah, like I don't that. know. Was, the height difference tiny. was very, very bizarre. So we head off to our fourth match. We have the royal family mm-hmm. of Rip Morgan and Jack Victory representing are, oh, New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yes. Versus the Great Muda and Mister Saito, representing Japan in a tournament quarterfinal match. 
also known as Masa Saito. So the last time we saw Jack Victory, he was under a mask as Super Destroyer 2 at Clash 9, Mm -hmm. which was episode 35. And the last time we saw Great Muda was one year prior at Starcade 89. Yeah, after they uh, built him up so wonderfully and just buried the shit out of him. Exactly, and that was episode 37. It's like, and Muda was way over. Oh, I'm still mad about it because, like, you're gonna you're gonna beat him three times in one night. God. Yeah, it was, I'm, I'm it still was... mad about it, but you know, like, this isn't his place. He's he's got to he's got to do his thing in Japan. But okay. still, they didn't have to do him like that. So Paulie offers that he thought Muda could have been the Black Scorpion because he was a former opponent of Sting, yeah, former rival. I can see. But wasn't maybe... he all supposed to be a tag team thing? They say that this they, Black Scorpion. They give clues once we get to who it actually is. is it, they, none of it makes any sense anyway. They tried to make it work. It, we're gonna let you know right now. It doesn't work, and I hate it. It doesn't work. But uh, you know, keep I listening. Mean, if you're listening to us and you don't know who the Black Scorpion <laughs> is. We're going to tell you right now. No. It doesn't work. Oh, I was going to say, don't tell him now. So Victory moves and starts running the ropes, hitting a shoulder tackle. Muda grabs a waist lock to try for an O'Connor roll, but Jacko holds onto the ropes. So Muda drop kicks him. Oh, I thought you said he moves. Lane. And I was like, Matt, why would you say he moves? It's wrestling. No, of course he moves. He, he moves. moves. I did not catch like the move. Cow. Oh, yes, like a cow. He moves. Okay. He literally moves. All right. I was like, cool victory chant. Yeah. I do like that they added these, like, cool Starcade, like, post pads that are, like, behind the, like, they're, like, on the, around the, po- like, in yeah. between the, I don't know why. It was just a nice touch. This is the thing I noticed. After that Muda drop kick, Muda then comes off the top rope with a crossbody onto victory. Saito with a clothesline to Morgan hits a snap suplex. Rips running the ropes when Muda hits a spinning heel kick, a snapmare, and an elbow drop. Hell yeah. Saito looks to lock on a version of the Scorpion Deathlock, but Victory's in to break up the hold. Saito's sent to the ropes, but Victory kicks him in the kidneys from the apron, followed by a back suplex by Morgan before tossing him to the floor, where Jacko continues the attack by running Saito into a ring post. Posted. You remember when people... I guess it was in the 90s, would refer to Michael Jackson and tabloids as Jacko. I was young, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember it too. And I mean, you know, you're a little, a little bit older than me, but when you're seeing Jacko, I was like, hmm, that's the only thing I think of when I see that. I thought it was so weird when JR kept calling him Jacko, but I was like, yeah. I mean, his name's Jack. I mean, maybe that's what he goes yeah. by. Um, I think it was one of the last WCW shows we watched, Sting was in an interview with Jim Ross and called him uh, Rossi. And I really loved it. And I wrote it down, but I didn't bring it up in the uh, notes. And I just wanted to bring it up because it was like, it was like Rossi. It's like, that's bizarrely funny to me for some reason. Just giving JR any kind of pet name outside of JR is just weird. And I love it. But back, anyway, Jacko continues. Back in the ring, double back elbows by the New Zealanders. Morgan comes off the second rope with a leg drop. Saito is moved and rolls to his corner for the hot tag. Muda with right hands, hands spring back elbow on Victory. Oh, that's the big Muda. All four men are brawling in the ring. Victory's holding Saito, and Morgan goes for a clothesline. But Saito moves, so Jack takes the blow. Muda then hits a bridging German suplex for the pin and, and the win. win. All while Saito clotheslines Rip to keep him from breaking it up. Nice little finish. Not a bad match. No. 
Not as good as the other one. Definitely not the worst one we're going to see. Definitely not. Paul E. then interviews Muta and Saito at ringside. And Saito tells us, I don't care who we face. We are the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. The the Japan team had some kind of cool music. I don't know if it was... uh... Real or not, it <laughs> I can never. Been stock music. I can never tell if it's post yeah, or not. Pretty much at this. I point. know, like a lot of this stuff, probably at this time was. I imagine a lot of people came out to like popular songs. Probably, they, like they're like, oh, so well, a lot we, of it's stock we can't music do that at this now. point. So we head off to our fifth match. We got Bull Johnson and Troy Montour from Canada mm-hmm. versus Victor Zangiev and Salman Hasmikov. Hasminikov. Hasminikov. Zangiev. I always want to say Zangiev, like because of Street Fighter 2, but this doesn't have any Fs. Close, though. And they're representing the USSR in a tournament quarterfinal match. Match gets going. Zangiev locks on a bow and arrow on Bull until Montour breaks it up. Victor then hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Johnson. Bull tosses Zangiev to the ropes, delivers a throat chop. Salmon keeps backing Troy back into the ropes using his power, hits a belly-to-belly suplex and looks to lock on an arm bar, but the ref counts it as a pin for the win. <laughs> What's crazy is this like starts really hot and you're like, yo, this could be really good, and then it's over. Post-match, Bull rakes at Hasmakov's face, starts to go to chopping, but the ref gets in the way. And I think I've just decided that this match was supposed to go longer, but someone from the back was like, these two teams do not mesh. I thought it was Cana- kind of hot. And the Canadian hot. team has no clue how to sell for this for the USSR guys, for the Russian guys. Yeah. I mean, the finish is all fucked, but I feel like, it, I mean, maybe they're just like, go in there, hit each other real hard real quick, and then pin and out. Let's just say that these two teams did not mesh. And the Canadian guys, no clue who they are, and we probably will never see them ever again. Bull Johnson's kind of a cool name, though. He was the uh, Black Bart, the fat Black Bart wannabe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scavani's in the locker room with Sting. Scavani. Schiavoni. Schiavoni. Tawny, Tawny Schiavani. Sting says, who would have thought that something like the Black Scorpion could happen in the sport of professional wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote... I wrote you mean a horrible storyline? Uh, they happen yeah. all yeah. the time. You haven't even begun to scratch the surface, Stinger, is what I wrote. <laughs> Sting then keeps going, You can look into my eyes and tell by the tone of my voice that I mean what I say. And then I wrote, Actually, you just have crazy eyes. Going he does. Forward. He has crazy eyes for sure. JR then sends it back to a video from the previous night's World Championship Wrestling Program. And we see Terry Taylor calling Alexandra York's program infallible and then Alexandria slaps Taylor which angers him but Paul E being the gentleman yeah stops him from hitting a lady look at that Paul yeah. Heyman stopping somebody from hitting a lady exactly That's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen later in his career Gary Capetta then announces a guest ring announcer which is Mickey Gary Giola who's a uh, has a more famous brother of Joe Gary Giola a St. Louis Cardinal baseball player okay but I believe Mickey was helped promote wrestling in the St. Louis area. Once again, NWA, WCW, embracing the history. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, totally. I'd rather know more than less. So we head off to that sixth and match. Unless it's about football. I'm just kidding. I like to know the football stuff. I just don't need to get it spammed all the time. 
But I guess, you know, like he's, he's, position, he's doing his job, but, like, he's also, like, I think that he doesn't like wrestling. He only likes football. He just got paid really well doing wrestling. It, it's possible. If I mean, should, he's been doing just, it for long enough. Knock on he, his door and find out. Yeah, we, we can find him, I'm sure. Sixth match, Terry Taylor versus Michael Wall Street with Alexandra York. And their stats tell us that Taylor is ranked 8th in the world mm-hmm. and Wall Street is ranked 7th. So we got us a ranked match here. Yeah. Stay in the top 10. And this is the first, first wrestler to use computers for his matches. So who's, Terry, who's Leona Helmsley? I have no clue. I think they, they make some jokes here. It must have been a like current event thing uh, at the time. but Or like a Wall Street current event thing because they keep referencing her throughout this like match. So I imagine it was probably some sort of like money scandal thing that was like, you know, obviously not related to wrestling, but you know how they like to drop in current event current stuff. Events, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just curious if you knew because I had it down. I was like, Ooh, and I did not look it up. I did not hear that one. So I didn't write it down. <laughs> so Terry attacks as Michael gets in the ring, rips his suit off of him, goes for a sunset flip, but Wall Street stays up and, and punches, punches down. down. I, uh, Love it, Terry. Just like, I'm not gonna wait for you to take your suit off. No need to. Yeah, it's like, what is he so mad about? A clock then comes on the screen, starting at eight minutes and thirty-two seconds, which was the amount of time that York's computer said Wall Street would win in. Yes, I think that this is so very WWF, but also really fun. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I love it. Taylor, it, just, it feels weird here. It because it's a, little, it's, a, it's a little cartoony, but like at the same time, like we're gonna but see Michael like a Wall Street, we're gonna see like a bullstrap match or whatever. A, yeah, it's kind of a cartoon. Character. Yeah, yeah. It's just you don't see a whole. I, I mean, it's hard to say because like you say, you don't see a whole lot of them, but like Road Warriors. And they're in the WWF now. Yeah, yeah, but still, like you know, like they are kind of. Michael Wall Street will be in the WWF pretty soon too. Know, so. I mean, you know, it's a. Taylor with an inside cradle for a two-count crossbody drop kick, but Michael rolls out to the floor to regroup. Once back in the ring, Terry's running the ropes, Wall Street with a leapfrog, but Taylor comes back with a clothesline. York is over in the corner inputting all the data on her computer, <laughs> which doesn't even look like it's on. While it's Michael, also just a giant calculator. <laughs> while Michael starts working arm locks. Terry starts firing back, goes for another crossbody, but Wall Street catches him with a backbreaker, a vertical suplex, goes for an elbow drop, but Taylor moves. Michael fires back with a clothesline, jumping leg drop for a two count. Wall Street locks on the ab stretch, grabbing the ropes for leverage. JR and Paul start arguing over if leverage is illegal. So JR says dangerously would go to Disney World, get on the monorail, and yell, I'm Bernie Getz. Yeah, rough joke. I was like, okay. Do you know who Bernie Gets is? Yeah, he's the guy that killed the people on the subway. The subway vigilante. Yeah, like, I mean, Death, the movie Death Wish. Also, the Joker that came out, like, last year. It's like, definitely has a, a Bernie Gets type scene. It's like, mm, all right. I just, like, started laughing. Too. I was like, yeah, the Disneyland, it's like, what a what a rough way to bring this in. It's like, you're sending him to Disneyland. The ref finally catches Michael holding onto the ropes and makes him break the hold. Taylor is tossed to the ropes and Wall Street attempts a drop kick, but Terry holds onto the ropes. Back elbow, back body drop, jawbreaker, body slam, knee drop by Taylor for a two count. Atomic drop, back suplex, 
Terry hits the five arm. But Michael gets his foot on the rope. The five arm. It's a four arm. What a name. Yeah, I know. I saw it. Taylor's tossed to the ropes, gets rubber band slammed, and then picked up for the stock market market crash. crash. A Samoan drop. Mm -hmm. For the pin and And the win. And he beat his time. He had a minute 41 left on the clock. Did you catch uh, JR talking shit on uh, our favorite manager? He said that she needed plastic surgery to get her nose lowered. Because, you know, she's because she says snooty. How dare you, JR? I know. How dare you? An ad for Wrestle War 91 is shown. Michael, you see Michael Hayes in an Uncle Sam outfit. He wants Wants you you. at Wrestle War 91. That was fun. A steel cage is being built as war games will be there. And Sting says, dismissed. That was way hokey. (laughs) Sting, yeah. Something about Sting with like a uh, like an army hat on is just bizarre, and I don't like it. So we're off to our seventh match: the Motor City Madman and Big Cat versus the Skyscrapers of Sid Vicious and Dangerous Danny Spivey. Where they been? <laughs> I mean, we know Sid's been we around, but like Sid's been around. Danny showed up at the last show. Did he? Yeah, he's gone for a while, but. So the story behind this match... And here there's no, you know, original manager. They are not with Teddy Long. No, no, no Ted, Ted Word Long. So the story behind this match was that after Sid had lost the title match versus Sting, he had a match at Clash of the Champions 13, and Vicious was attacked by Big Cat after his match. So they both recruited partners so they could have this tag team bout. Instead of a singles match. So what's up with Big Cat? What about him? Yeah, who the hell is Big Cat? He's Big Cat. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious. Seeing if you you had anything on Big Cat. He never made a huge impact on the world of wrestling. You mean, you know. He'll be be other characters soon enough. Yeah. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Everybody's brawling in the ring as the bell bell rings. Spivey tosses Madman to the rampway. The skyscrapers with a double team back body drop. Oh no, it wasn't because one of them forgot which move they were doing. Oh, it wasn't because of that? So they toss him to the ropes again, and this time they hit the double back body drop. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, (laughs) Spivey totally forgot what he was doing, and so, like, (sighs) they had to do it twice. Skyscraper's Irish Whip Madman to the corner. A double-team Irish Whip of Sid splashing onto the Motor City Madman, followed by a clothesline by Dangerous Danny. Mm Mm-hmm. The skyscrapers then pick the madman up for yes. a double team powerbomb. That happens. For the pin. For the pin. And the win. They won, yes. Moving on. <laughs> Paul E. then interviews the skyscrapers at ringside. Dangerous says this is a one-time only thing for them. But they pick Dangerously up so he's eye to eye with them. And Spivey says, we decide what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. But this would be the only time that they would reunite. Uh, okay, cool. Because Vicious just goes back to being a horseman. And yeah, and Spivey, Spivey actually moves just on to other he has a singles match, I believe. He does at Russell War. So we are headed off to our eighth match of Tommy Wildfire Rich and Ricky Morton with Robert Gibson mm-hmm. versus the fabulous Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes, Jimmy Jim Garvin. With Little Richard Marley. Yeah, so uh, Little Richard Marley. Sure. Little Richard Marley. 
Freebirds are still wearing their also, Confederate uh, flag capes and face paint. Of course they are. We got Freebirds suck chants starting up. Yeah, those are always fun and quick. Quick, quick to happen. Match gets going and Garvin running the ropes. Elite Frog by Morton and hip tosses to both Freebirds. Ricky with a drop kick to Garvin. Rich with a drop kick to Hayes. Morton with a drop kick to Marley, who's climbed up onto the apron. After the Freebirds regroup, Hayes is in with a kick and chops, but is then Irish whipped and given an atomic drop by Ricky before being thrown to the floor. Morton attempts to ram P.S. into the ring post, but Hayes blocks and starts laughing at Ricky, but Gibson hits him with a right hand that allows Morton to slam P.S.'s head into the ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Hayes with more kicks and chops, a snapmare, and goes for a jumping knee drop, but Ricky moves. Rich jumps in the ring to take down Garvin, and the Freebirds are in stereo figure fours, but Jimmy Jam breaks the eyes of Morton to break both holds. That's the best way to get out of the figure four, right? I think so. I think so, too. At least lo- out of stereo yeah. figure fours. Yeah, I love it when, yeah, that's always great. It's like, oh, that guy just got the other guy. Rich with a hip toss of Garvin and slingshots Marley into the ring, starts giving him a spanking, which brings in Hayes, who gets punched around by Ricky. P.S. is tossed to the ropes, ducks a rich clothesline, and turns to hit a quick left jab to knock Tommy down. Hayes looks to go for the DDT, but Rich reverses it into a back body drop. Morton with a running knee lift on Garvin, a double noggin knocker on the Freebirds, but Jimmy Jam pokes Ricky in the eye, Picks him up for a body slam, but Morton floats over. Goes for an O'Connor roll, but the ref is distracted trying to get Rich out of the ring, allowing Hayes to hit a bulldog on Ricky. Tommy then jumps in to brawl with Garvin. Hayes with knee drops on the leg of Ricky. Marley climbs to the top rope, but Gibson hits Little Richard with his crutch to knock him off right into Jimmy Jam, who had Rich ready for the DDT. I was like, what is Marley doing going to the top? That is not a very, like, heel manager, uh, like, crony thing to do. It's going to help. It's a weird way to help. That's all I'm saying. I was, like, I was caught off guard by it. That's all. Garvin then begins choking Marley, angry at him, which allows Morton to come from behind to roll him up for the pin and and the the win. So post-match, Hayes with a quick left jab and starts attacking Little Richard. They hit a double-team DDT on him. Rich and Morton then come back running into the ring to help clear it, but that leaves Gibson all alone on the stage. The Freebirds hit a double-team clothesline on Robert to leave him laying before they run back to the locker room. Freebirds suck. Freebirds suck. So the next time we see the Freebirds, they'll have a new manager with a little more... Bang! Bang. (laughs) That's true. Tony's on the stage with Stan Hansen, and Hansen's still being disgusting. Oh, so gross. Tells us that a Texas Lariat match is basically a strap match. Yeah. On to our ninth match, Conan and Rey Mysterio Sr., representing Mexico, versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner, representing the United States, in a tournament semifinal match. Who do you think is going to win? Mexico, right? I mean... Be pretty cool. They're pretty big guys, right? Let's find out. <laughs> Conan applies an inverted Indian deathlock on Rick to start, but Steiner powers out. Scott, with a power slam of Conan, puts him on his shoulders 
and Rick comes off the top rope for the Bulldog. Hefty, hefty uh, maneuver. Mysterio and Scott work some mat wrestling until Scott powers out with a follow-away slam. Ray's then running the ropes, goes for a hurricanrana, but Rick catches him to deliver a powerbomb for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Can you say someone was hurt? And yeah, they yeah. Were like because these guys could have had probably a cool match yeah. and all that. It was funny, like, I'm so used to, like, Rick being the the workhorse and then Scott coming in for the, like, hot tag and, and, and getting the pin. it's usually the other way around. Scott's usually the one that gets worked over facing peril and then they tag in Rick. Well, yeah, but are they, like, that kind of swaps, I feel like, around now, right? No, they usually, they do, just, they really? usually do Rick with the hot tag and then Scott hits the Frankensteiner uh, uh, out of nowhere. Well, maybe it's from the next show where I felt like that. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, yeah, uh, also, I've noticed that maybe 1991 or 90 yeah. into 91 uh, is the year of the Bulldog. It, it has been definitely more pro- productive. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, I feel like it's everywhere. And I love a bu- good Bulldog. I, I love a good Bulldog, too. It's cool. I just kind of noticed in the last couple shows that I've watched, I'm like, oh, the Bulldog is getting ramped up. It's like our uh, suicide dive in uh, 2017. Like, Tony Schiavone's on the stage with the Horsemen. And Tony sends it to a video of where Flair would get pulled out of a limo by a group of men, and Teddy Long was the driver. So maybe this is how this is how he got hurt, and why he had to pull out of the match versus Doom. Yeah. Arn says this didn't start out personal, Doom, but you made it that way. Yeah, they didn't really convince me of much here, unfortunately. So our tenth match: Victor Zangiev and Salman Hasmik. Uh, you're, say, you're saying it so wrong, I can't even I remember. Um, where, where, where is it? The Russian. Victor Zongiev and Sam, uh, Salman Hashminikov. Hashminikov. Don't, don't ask me to say Russian names anymore. Versus Great Muda and Mr. Saito of Japan in a tournament semifinal match. Zangiev with a belly to back suplex on Muda. Victor with an arm bar on Saito, but he escapes to his opponent's corner, allowing Salman to tag in. Hasinimikov <laughs> going big H takes Saito <laughs> down rolls him over for a Boston Crab but Muta breaks it up with a st- stiff kick Saito then takes Z- Zangiev down locks on a sharpshooter but loses grip on it Muta is then suplexed multiple times by Salmon goes for a cover but Saito breaks up the pin Victor then comes running in to be clotheslined by Saito and a back suplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. It happened. Exactly. It had to happen. I kind of wish that this show, like, they had... I don't mind the tournament thing, but, like, if it was only the semifinals and the finals match and the other stuff was, like, some weeklies. But I get it that these guys all, like, flew in for this show. But it's just too... Or, or just make the good matches longer. Yeah, you're muddying up your biggest show with, like, matches with guys that people have never heard of. Or that like are not you know are not known known to be uh, closely associated with this promotion. Also, that aren't like may necessarily be bad wrestlers, but just you know haven't worked with these guys. It's we all weird to me. Tony Schiavone's then with Doom on the stage, Doom. and Teddy Long says, "Let me speak on that, homie. Don't play that multiple times before mm-hmm. saying he has a hit out on the Horseman." I was like, "Isn't that illegal?" Yeah. It is. Aren't you the faces? What are they going to do? It's not nice. Arrest the, him? Not nice. It's 
Faces doing heel shit here. But are Doom true faces? I feel like they're bizarre tweeners. I mean, probably, but when they're in a match with a horseman. Yeah, I thought this was a weird, a weird like mix-up. Because it's like, oh, Doom is kind of heel, and it's also one of those things. I mean, they're doing like, heel things, taking out Flair, putting hits out. Yeah, on them. Like, those are heel things, but yeah. the horsemen are heels. Yeah, I kind of, it's, I don't hate it, but it is confusing, and I definitely want to see this match. Why would I not? Butchery tells us that he's the creator of street fight matches since he was born in the streets, he lives in the streets, and he knows how to survive in the streets. Hell yeah, Butchery's cool. So we're off to our 11th match, Lex Luger versus Stan the Lariat Hansen in a Texas Lariat match for the NWA United States Championship. This is our, our, our second outing with these two men, two men right? It is. So a weird-looking picture of of Luger is, like, hung above the stage. Oh, like Sting style? It kind of looks like the, the Sting, Sting one? one. Yeah. But it's Luger this time. I did catch that, and I was like, I mean, I guess maybe they had it left over from when they were actually trying, you know, when Luger was doing yeah, his, like, Ric Flair stuff. Capetta announces that it will be one fall. And I was like, what are the rules of this match? It's the four-buck match. That's what I call it. So now Capetta actually gives the, the real rules. Okay. Falls don't count. No. Each man is attached to a rope and must touch each turnbuckle. Attached to the same rope. Attached to the same <laughs> rope. Just, just to make that clear. Must touch each turnbuckle consecutively to win. Which is weird because the rope's kind of long. I feel like you don't have to have them keep them that close. It did feel like a longer rope than that they, than yeah. they usually do. As the ref finishes taping the rope to Luger, Hansen attacks and takes him over with a snapmare, headbutt, a hip toss, goes for an elbow drop, but Lex moves. Lex is firing back with right hands, a back elbow, body slam, forearm across the throat, but he walks into a right hand to the gut by Stan. Hansen with a knee lift starts whipping Luger with the rope, choking him, tossing him to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Lex to kick him and hit a clothesline. Stan rolls out to the floor, but so Luger follows out and begins to choke Hansen with the rope. <laughs> but Stan escapes with a boot down below. Hansen slams a chair across Lex's back, rolls him back into the ring, and the two men start trading right hands and chops. Oh, uh, that's the good stuff. Luger with a headbutt, Irish whip, follows in with a clothesline and goes for a cover, but the ref reminds him that there are no pins, so Lex bouncing for more right hands. Yeah, the pin thing, I was like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't necessarily make Lex look uh, like a smart man. Lex starts heading to the turnbuckles, touching one, two. two. But Hansen runs into his back and, and hits a back suplex to stop the count. Stan now begins to go around the ring, dragging Lex by the neck, and Luger starts kicking him away. Hansen wraps the rope around Lex's neck, lifts him up over the ropes, and begins to hang him. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the whole purpose of this match is to do that spot, I feel like, at some point. If you don't do that spot, then there's Especially no reason. Like, yeah, like, I feel like that the crowd is, of course, you know, way behind Lex, and they're cheering for him, but I feel like that nobody cares about this gimmick. On the outside, Stan runs Luger into a ring post, rolls him back in, and hits an elbow drop. Touches one, two, two three, three turnbuckles. But Lex is up and clotheslines Hanson. Pulls his ass down with that. The two men are pounding away on each other. 
Stan choking Luger, but Lex kicks up, knocking Hansen through the ropes to the outside. Luger with a double axe handle on the floor and slams Stan's head on the apron, slings him gut first into the apron multiple times before slinging him head first into the ring post. Posted. Lex then rolls Hansen back into the ring and hits multiple leg drops, touches one turnbuckle, dragging Stan. Two, kicks Hansen down. Oh, yes. Three, he's struggling to drag Stan. He's reaching out. Hansen falls over, releasing the tension in the rope for Luger to fall into the fourth turnbuckle, but he also knocks the ref down. Nick, Nick Patrick didn't see it? I think I think our ref's Nick Patrick. Oh, it was Randy Anderson. Oh, was it? Stan has his boot off and begins to beat on Lex with it. Elbow drops, choking Luger with the rope, and starts to touch turnbuckles as another ref, Nick Patrick, oh, shows okay. up okay. That's, that's where I thought it was Nick. One... Two, three. The crowd is pissed. Lex has his legs wrapped around the ring ropes to slow Hanson down. Gets to his feet only for Stan to hit him with a lariat. And then he jumps to the turnbuckle. For that fourth corner, baby. Nick Patrick calls for the bell. Mm -hmm. Hands the belt to Hanson. But Randy Anderson, the original ref, is finally to his feet. Steals the belt away and is saying Luger won. Lex up to his feet, clotheslines Stan... And Randy Anderson raises his arm and gives him the belt. And, and new. I do not like this slop. Come on. I just didn't like that Like the ref was out, so he didn't call the match. And now he's back up. Take it away. It's like, yeah, he's, he, but it's like he got knocked he away. He got knocked down as Lex is hitting the fourth turnbuckle. <laughs> I know. So he won. I know. I know. I watched him. I guess it was one of those things where I didn't care enough that I didn't even care about justice. How do you not care about justice, man? Uh, I don't know. I am, I do, but I didn't hear. And I wish I did. Not terrible. I thought this match was pretty really? fun. I just don't... I'm just really hard. The gimmick's really hard for me. You, don't, you know you I like Stan Hansen. Like... I've had a great time with him recently. And, of course... This kind of Lex match Luger's is your great. least favorite kind of match. I the, know. the corner thing. I don't know why. But I thought it was a fun match. Yeah. JR then gets I'll a try word. next time we have one of these. I'll just like woo saw. Like, just take it in for what it is. JR gets a word with Luger at ringside, and Lex says, This feud isn't over. It's just beginning. We're gonna this is our, our the year of the Hanson Luger trilogy. It might be. Tri triology? It's not. I feel like that's how Stan Hans would say it with a mouthful of dip. He just looks like a man that can barely read. So we go to our 12th match. We got the horsemen of the Enforcer, Arn Anderson and Barry Windham versus Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Hacksaw Butch Reed. With Teddy Long in a street fight match for the NWA, NWA. World Tag Team Championships. Uh, Arn Anderson in a backwards hat is like, you know, the whole like, what's up, my fellow kids? It's exactly like the vibe you get with him wearing that backwards hat. It's very funny. It's like the equivalent of like seeing my, you know, my dad in a backwards hat. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? What is happening? Who told you to do this? Because it feels wrong. It was obviously not your idea. The two teams start brawling as soon as everyone is in the ring. Simmons knocks Wyndham to the rampway, body slams him, but Arn comes to attack him from behind, hitting Ron with a belt. Reed with a vertical suplex of Barry in the ring. 
goes for an elbow drop, but Wyndham moves and tosses Butch to the floor. But Reed begins whipping Barry with his weight belt. Anderson hits a chair shot over Simmons' knee on the rampway. Butch slams Wyndham's head into the ring post. Posted. Busts Barry open with the buckle of the weight belt to the forehead, but Wyndham fires back with a back suplex on the floor. The doctor at ringside starts checking on Barry, but he's shoved away. Double A continues to rip. Double A continues to whip Reed with the leather strap on the floor, and Wyndham with a body slam on Simmons goes for a knee drop, but Ron moves. Yeah, the uh, immediate brutality of this match is pretty interesting. Also, Barry Wyndham is like the stuck pig of WCW in '91. Horsemen begin to double-team Simmons with a strap. Arn grabs a chair and hits Butch over the head with it and throws it into Barry, who then hits Ron across the back. Anderson's tossed into the guardrail by a bloody Butch, while Simmons hits a spine buster on Wyndham in the middle of the ring for a two-count. Even if I was Arn Anderson, I don't think I'd want to hit Doom with a belt. Just saying. (laughs) Like, my God. Reed, with a high knee to the back of Barry, starts peppering him with punches. Double A is a bloody mess and gets military pressed by Ron, who then goes to the top rope, but Wyndham stops him with a low blow. So is everybody bleeding yet? I think so. <laughs> I got those. I was like, wait a second. Barry hits the superplex, but Simmons gets his shoulder up. Butch up to the top rope, hits the flying shoulder block, but Wyndham breaks up the pin after tossing Ron to the floor. Barry hits a DDT on Reed. Arn stomping away on Simmons, who has brought a chair into the ring. Anderson grabs the chair and goes to hit Ron with it, but Simmons blocks and slams the chair across Double A's head and goes for the cover, but only for a near fall. Butch hits a pile driver on Wyndham and begins to choke him with the chair. Nasty. Barry's throwing Butch out to the floor. Wyndham has hold of Simmons while Arn goes to the second rope. And as he comes off, Reed hits Barry from behind, releasing Ron to clothesline Anderson. That was a really cool spot. Yeah. The timing had to be, like, perfect, and they, and they got it perfect. Butch tosses Wyndham to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Barry to inside Cradle Home just as Ron covers double A. One. Two. Three. Double pin spot. All four men still brawling in the bell falling rings as Reed sends Wyndham to the rampway. Hits a bulldog. Arn goes for a pile driver, but Simmons reverses into a back body drop. But Barry then clotheslines Ron, but Butch follows with one to Wyndham. The four men are still brawling up the rampway. Simmons hits a double noggin knocker on the horseman, and they keep brawling onto, onto the, the stage. stage. Like, it's like they're like, well, no, nobody won, and we don't know how to get out of this, so I guess we'll brawl to the back. And they brought all the way back yes, to they the do. locker room. I fucking, I just love when Arn Anderson uh, has the opportunity to sell nasty moves. Because he does it where it's like, it's like, you know, obviously exaggerated and like kind of comedic. But because he's doing it, it's not funny. Because he's Arn Anderson, he's like the least funny person that's ever lived. He's not funny. No, he's not funny at all. But like, there's like a like a tinge of like him selling really well, selling it like death. But also like that twinge of like you know, kind of like when like Ric Flair does like a timber or something like that. But when he does it, it's a little bit more. Arn Anderson does it a little bit more crispy, and it almost feels like a fucking Frasier bit, like the TV show. <laughs> and uh, but I love I love it because it feels like that. But it also 
doesn't like take you out of it where you're like, oh, that was too much or goofy. We cut to a shot of Jr. and Paulie like being confused about what just happened. Paulie's yelling about not knowing who won the match, and Jr. says, "I do too, stupid." <laughs> and dangerously space is priceless. Yes, it is really great. But no, I like these two together a lot, by the way. They are. I, I assume fun. you enjoy it as well. It's pretty hard. It's pretty undeniably entertaining. I, I love Paulie. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best with a microphone. Agreed. Of all time. So the official announcement is actually a no contest as a double count out or a double pin. Mm-hmm. Is that we see the ad for Wrestle War 91 again, and then we head to our 13th match. Great Muda and Mr. Saito of Japan versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner representing the U.S. in the Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup but Tag wait. Team oh, Tournament oh Final. God. Jesus, that's long. But wait, there's a there's a uh, we get a good gimmick here. We get a good gimmick? No, nah, it's not a gimmick. I mean, you know, we get a, a, a cherry on top of our a Sunday. Cherry on top. The ref for this match. Yes, yeah, special guest referee. It's Masio Tiger Hattori. Yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, I know that Tiger Hattori was supposedly was like a big talent guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, could I think he spoke some better English and he, you know. Did a lot of basically set up time, a lot of these deals and any like Japanese you know guy came to comes to the U S and Tiger kind of vice versa kind of like the, with like the a lot of American talent so it's like that's cool that like it makes sense that he's here because he probably was the reason that this was going down anyway exactly. but they're like oh also we'll throw you in here and I was like hell yeah plus he just retired not to date this but you know I just dated it yeah, you did yeah but I it's mean, fine we do it all the time technically watching something from thirty years ago so we're kind of dated to begin with so the double date double date <laughs> muda with kicks to start us off and but scott catches his foot so muda delivers an insiguri scott goes for a big boot but muda catches him USA. of course this is happening right now so steiner USA. flips over and locks USA. on a single leg crab but muda gets to the ropes spinning heel kick by muda on rick goes for another roundhouse kick but steiner ducks and delivers a steiner line Saito with karate chops tosses Rick to the ropes and misses a clothesline and Steiner comes back with a drop kick Rick with a Steiner line on Saito Muda jumps to the top rope but Steiner shakes the ropes to crotch him oh I don't like that too early for a crotch once Muda makes it back to the apron he checks his junk to make sure it's still there that was very 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 funny he's like shaking his junk and then he like even opens opens his pants and like pulls it out and looks down it was very funny, and the crowd loved it. Uh, I loved it as well. Because it was, like, comedic, but it's also, like, what do you do when that just happens to you in real life? Like, if I was climbing a fence and I fell, totally, I would fall to the floor, totally I would stand up, yourself. and I would check myself to make sure I was, you know, not bleeding. Muda with shoulder blocks to Scott. Irish whip, followed by a handspring back elbow. Goes for a second one. Love the handspring back elbow. But Steiner gets a boot up and hits a belly-to-belly suplex. Goes through the cover, but Saito breaks it up. Scott and Saito trading blows until Steiner hits a back elbow. Saito hits a back suplex on Rick. Steiner tosses the ropes, but the two men run into each other for the double Double KO. KO. Muda with a snap mare, snap elbow drop, tosses Rick to the floor, where Saito runs him into the ring post so hard, it knocks Steiner's headgear off. The headgear kind of never comes off. It doesn't. Yeah, and he's the only guy that ever wears it, but he's been doing it. He just did it for so long. It feels like, oh, I just 
keep doing it. Because, you know, he's the collegiate wrestler guy. Moon is out to the floor and grabs the ring bell, hitting Rick over the head with it, and a clothesline on the floor. Back in the ring, the Japanese are working over Rick with chokes, elbows to the arm, stomps, single sledges to the back. Muda tosses Steiner to the ropes, but misses a clothesline and is taken down by a Rick Steiner line. Rick makes his way to the corner for the hot tag. I guess maybe this time Rick was the guy. Maybe I just this, maybe this I show, only remember when Rick does this it. This show Rick star- Rick was the one making the tag. Yeah, but usually it's Scott. I guess I, I yeah. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter because they're both awesome. Scott with the back body drop, a tiger driver on Muta. Goes for the cover, but Saito breaks it up again. And you know why this is good? Because, like, I'm pretty sure that Scott and Rick spent some time in Japan. That's why he's doing Tiger Drivers out here. Muda with chokes, rams Scott's head into the turnbuckle. Saito with a chop, back suplex, more chokes, but Rick runs in to break it up, which allows the Japanese to hit a spike pile driver on Scott. That should be it, right? Muda with a spinning heel kick on Rick descending to the floor, and Saito rams Scott's head on multiple turnbuckles. Saito then tosses Scott to the ropes and locks a sleeper on him. When Rick comes off the top rope with a sunset flip for For the the pin pin. and And the win. win. The finishing part was cool. Yes. But a little unnecessary. What, the sunset? Well, just like, once they hit the spike pile driver, like... They didn't go for the cover. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, okay we're setting yeah. this up for for the Steiners to do something cool. I mean, I really didn't, you know, we, I knew the Steiners were going to win. Yeah, I mean, we all knew the Steiners were going to win. But Yeah. Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with the Steiners for the award presentation. All the lovely flag bearers are behind them. My whole thing was, I think that the, like, there's no titles on the line. Obviously, the Japanese probably weren't going to stick around, but, like, they could have won, and that would have been cool. That's the thing. The Steiners it, wouldn't have lost anything losing no, to these guys. they wouldn't have lost anything. It would have been cool. Members of Pat O'Connor's family are in the arena. Jim Hurd then comes out. A bunch of sparklers, out. like, you know, the, those, the big sparklers. Jim Hurd comes out, thanks all the wrestlers from all the participating countries, and congratulates the Steiner brothers. Super heavyweights. Call them super heavyweights. And then Steiner sends some love to the troops. Oh, yes. It is... Uh, Desert Storm, right? I think it's still Desert Shield at this point. It's it's all the same. Do you remember the uh, trading cards? I do. I had some. I didn't have any. I think my dad had some because he was a big baseball card guy, and like he was like in the Air Force and stuff. But it's like what what a silly thing to exist. (laughs) But I mean, you know, that's just yeah, that's just the way shit was. Could you imagine like? I'm not trying to derail, but like post post 9/11, like invasion of Afghanistan trading cards, it's kind of very similar. Granted, you it know, is. granted, like 9/11 was like an attack on the country, so it's like a little different. Where it's like, oh, we like penetrated the culture a little more because it happened here. Like that doesn't happen here, so like it'd be, I feel like more t- more tasteless. But it's still like ultimately kind of bizarre and tasteless cash grab to buy. Trading cards with tanks on them. JR and Paul E then preview the main event, and we're headed right to it. Oh, the are we? 14th match mm. Black Scorpion yes. versus Sting in a steel cage match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. 
with Dick the Bruiser mm-hmm. as a special guest referee. All of a sudden, four men start walking down in black get-ups and masks. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's Black Scorpion. Nope, there's another one. one. Oh, nope, no. there's four of them. Like, it's a Scorpion fake Scorpion's out. playing more tricks on us. I am trying not to be. An apparatus begins lowering from the ceiling. An apparatus? They Are call, you Vince they, McMahon? They call, they call it, it an apparatus? They, well, JR first says it's an apparatus, and then they say... They start calling it a spacecraft. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like a cage. And Polly is yes. very scared. Yeah. JR asks him if he wants to go home to his mommy and daddy. It's his UFO. It's a UFO. The wings of the apparatus close, mm-hmm. and we get a voiceover. The four men that you see are only messengers. <laughs> there is only one true black scorpion. Yeah, sure. And it is I. God damn. I hope I didn't give away who it was supposed to be. The coolest thing uh, that maybe happened was how obnoxious and stupid the 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 UFO was. You said apparatus. I was like, oh yeah, they're rolling in the cage. And then you reminded me of the apparatus, and I don't know how I could have possibly forgot it because it is one hundred and ten percent stupid. It doesn't it even close all the way. So I don't know how the they way. got under there. Did he just like run up and like climb under? He was it? he was next to it on this on the side on the side, oh. and then so like, like the right crowd before, could see him right, right there. Before they closed it, he like ran up. Yeah, but it. like was the so the crowd could see him the whole yeah. time. Jesus, so bad. So it reopens. The black scorpion is standing on the rampway with the silver glittery cape. Yeah, the the cape probably the coolest thing. Here, here's the and problem. It's not cool. I mean, the apparatus is cool. This would have been and better. And it's not cool. I know we're always big proponents of champion always comes out last. Uh-huh. But this would have played a lot better Yeah. if Sting had been in the ring. Considering that this doesn't play at all outside of like, oh my God, what's happening? If you're going to go all out with this amount of like stupidity that I don't feel like anybody cares about. Like even the crowd's not even hot about this. You gotta, you gotta do it last if you're gonna spend money like that on it. Exactly. So we're told if the scorpion fails to win the title, he must remove his mask. Cool. And we get started. We get a back suplex by the masked man. Goes for an elbow drop, but Sting moves. The scorpion tries to throw the stinger into the cage, but is blocked. And Paul E starts mentioning all the clues to the identity of the scorpion. Could have just been a trick. Wonder if it will be. Stinger with a hip toss, a clothesline, but the masked man rolls to the apron. Sting's running the ropes, but is taken down by a scorpion clothesline, a gut wrench suplex, his Irish whip, and followed in by another clothesline. A scorpion clothesline? A scorpion clothesline. Mm, cool. The masked man locks on a head scissors submission, hits a back elbow, and locks on a chin lock putting his feet on the ropes for leverage. I've seen that move before somewhere. I mean, it's pretty normal to, you know, for a heel to use leverage. Eh, that's true. Yeah. But the bruiser sees it immediately to break the hole. Oh, the bruiser is lumbering around the ring. He, it feels like his knees are Make not... more the, noise than the ring itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he does not move around very well. I still love everything about him and his big face and his, like, you know... Stupid striped shirt. Multiple hard Irish whips of Sting. An inverted atomic drop. Clothesline. Snapmare. Goes for multiple pins and more leverage-aided chin locks. But the bruiser keeps kicking the scorpion's foot off the rope. 
Yeah, Bruce was getting involved. He doesn't like the scorpion. He doesn't like uh, cheating. Clubbing forearms across the chest, an eye rake. The masked man's running the ropes, and Sting leapfrogs. Press slams the scorpion and hits a clothesline. He goes for a crossbody, but the masked man ducks, so the stinger goes face first into the steel cage. <sighs> Another Irish whip by the scorpion and charges into a boot by Sting before hitting a vertical suplex. Goes for the cover, but oh my god, Bruiser has a slow count. Oh my god, yeah, I know. Like I said, it's like those knees, man. Like he's lumbering around the ring. Multiple eye rakes by the masked man. He throws the stinger into the steel cage several times. Scorpion with a pile driver goes for a cover, but Sting gets his foot on the ropes. Pile driver, man. I feel like pile drivers should be putting people down. They should be. And they're just not putting people down with pile drivers. That's like, should be one of the most devastating moves, right? I don't want to take a pile driver anytime soon. You couldn't pay me to take a pile driver. Honestly, it's like, hmm million dollars to take a pile driver and i'm like well i'm uh, out of shape i've never wrestled before and you're gonna teach me this in five minutes i would much rather continue to work the rest of my life than be paralyzed with a million dollars that i have to spend on health spend on health care i mean i'm terrified I of that do, i could do a safe one if needed to no like you're i wouldn't let you pile drive me for a million dollars <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, yeah, I know, and it's like, ugh, I just feel like that it's one of the one of those things that's like, man, like, pile driver should should mean something. Stinger's firing back with right hands, throws the masked man towards the ropes, but the scorpion falls to the mat. Masked man reverses an Irish whip to send Sting into the steel cage once again. Another Irish whip, but the Stinger comes back with a face plant of the scorpion. Sting with an Irish whip and falls in with a Stinger splash. And the masked man flops to the mat. <gasps> There's something familiar about that move, too. I think this is when I started to put it together. Because I was just like, I don't know what this could possibly be. Who is Black Scorpion? I didn't care. But also, I didn't want to look it up. Because I was like, I want to try to make this as fun as possible if I'm going to have to watch more Black Scorpion. Sting locks on the Scorpion Deathlock, but the masked man makes it to the ropes. Scorpion tries to run the stinger into the cage again, but Sting reverses, sending the masked man into the cage himself. And then the stinger rips the mask off the scorpion, <gasps> but he has another mask underneath. The dreaded double mask. And we see blonde hair protruding from under the mask. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you know, it could be a clone of Sting. We could clone people in uh, 1990, right? I thought so. Dolly, right? Uh-huh. That was the name of the sheep, I believe. Scorpion with a knee lift climbs to the top rope like he's trying to escape the ring. I think I figured out who it is. Yeah. For me, it was the torso in the tight black when I was like, hmm, all right. After a couple of things. But the stinger stops him and climbs up to the top, but is knocked down by the masked man. Scorpion walks out onto the ropes, but Sting falls across them, causing the masked man to crotch himself. The Stinger throws Scorpion into the steel cage a few more times. It hits a military press into the steel cage. Hip toss, clothesline, goes to the top rope, and comes off with a flying crossbody for, for the, the pin, pin and the, the win. win. It was hard to be excited. Post-match, the four masked men from the outside start jumping into the ring. So Sting and the Bruiser are fighting them off. Ugh, the Bruiser. I don't love that, don't I love, attack I the Bruiser. I love that he gets involved. Though. I do too. I mean, that old man, 
uh, has probably got some amazing stories. You can just see them in every step that he takes and feel them <laughs> with every uh, like look from... He, he, he has an incredible look. A couple of the masks are torn off the little scorpions while the black scorpion crawls <sighs> up to the top of the cage to escape. Wyndham and Anderson come into the ring with a chair as JR yells, We We have two minutes left! Bruiser gets hit with a chair. Double A with a DDT of Sting on the chair. Arn hits the Stinger over the back with the chair. My God. Scorpion then does the same multiple times. Leave Stinger alone. Z-Man. Yes. Ricky Morton. Uh Uh-huh. And Terry Taylor. Thank God. Come running out. Begin to crawl to the top of the cage as the cage door has been locked, but the horsemen knock them off. The Steiner brothers then yes. come running down with bolt cutters Fuck yeah. to break the lock on the door. Looks like they had a bit of a hard time doing it, but you know, adrenaline's running. Rick and Scott may get into the ring to fight off Wyndham and Anderson while Sting is ripping at the mask. It comes off, and the Black Scorpion is... Rick Flair. Flair. I, uh... You know what would have been better? Rick Flair versus Sting in a steel cage. Yes. Okay, I'll continue, continue on, sorry. All the horsemen escape back <laughs> up the rampway. And, uh... That was the end of the show. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, because they're like, they're like, we have two minutes left. And like, yeah, they're like, we need to, because they keep selling. We're like, we have to know who the Scorpion is. JR says his goodbyes as an ad to order the Star K90 t-shirt comes across the screen. Oh, I don't think I caught that. And order. a happy think I holidays message. Happy, ha- yeah. Celebrate. Right. So a few notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for anything you got, because I don't have a whole lot to say about this, even though I should. Ole Anderson. Uh-huh. Would be fired yes. as the booker mm-hmm. after this show. Do you think that that was warranted? Yes. No, I think so too. Continue. Uh, the two little scorpions that we see get unmasked. Mm-hmm. One of them was actually Colonel DeClerc, who we uh-huh. had saw earlier in the show. Yeah. And the other was a guy named Dave Shelton. He was better known as the Angel of Death. And he actually played the scorpion during house shows. Oh, okay. It's a really good Slayer song. Angel of Death. So, what I've been able to find is that the WCW wanted to get the ultimate warrior. They thought they had warrior money? They thought that they could get warrior, who was the champion yes. in WWF. Uh, I know, I'm aware. leave and come. So, Ole Anderson is an insane person, is what you're telling me? I guess. It makes no sense. No, it's bizarre. It's super dumb. You know what I think might be the best thing that happened in this match? Which is something that never really happens anymore and I find frustrating. The entrance? The fact that when Sting, they finally beat it, start, we're starting to beat down Sting. It's like Sting doesn't have a tag team partner. He's not part of a clique or whatever. But the faces still come out to stop him from getting beat up. And I think that that's crazy sometimes, like, in the middle of a show where someone's getting beat down and, like, no faces come out to fucking help or no refs come out. But at least here it's like, yeah, well, it was a cage match. The ref's in there and he's fighting back. But, like, 
I know but the like, bruiser's but like healthy. The, the faces come out to try to do something, and it always bothers me when somebody is like, maybe even if they're like have a click or a tag team, and like nobody comes out, and it's like, so everyone like, how can I care about anybody if even they're like fellow employees and fellow like workers that like don't even give a shit about them? So I really did I did appreciate that because it's one thing that kind of bothers me in like current wrestling so i like that i did like that rick flair tried really hard not to work rick flair as rick flair he yes like there's just it was the the selling but it was the the other hand it also made it for a pretty dull match yes it made for a a fucking bummer ass match but like that's why i said you know what would have been better rick flair versus you know what they should have done for this starcade just for completely forgot the Black Scorpion. Just do Ric Flair sing. Exactly. Because then we could have got a banger of a match. We know that's going to be good. So, Michael Temple, what are your overall thoughts of Starcade 1990? Fucking sucks. You did not like this show. I don't like the show. I don't like the tag tournament because there's too many mediocre matches on a Starcade. I don't like Black Scorpion because there's a fucking mediocre to under a, there's a bad headlining match don't like the strap match so the tag team match or the doom horseman match is the only match you like um no i like z-man i like z-man and eaton a lot and like i like that i like the like you know kind of like the it was the doom uh four horsemen was fun there was a couple of moments in the tag tournament that were good, but overall it was just fucking bloated time-wise for a show where it's like you should be getting people over there's, and nobody gets seven, over. There's seven tournament matches. Bobby Eaton caught and, over, but you forgot about it after watching a million tags. You don't even know the names. And I would literally say two of the matches are worth watching of the seven of yeah. the tournament yeah. matches. I would say this is definitely... You're giving this one know. a pass. This is like the worst Starcade. I would agree. I would agree <laughs> like, with that. Right? It's, pro- it's probably the worst arcade. Like, there's been arcades where there's like a lot of matches that don't matter or whatever. I but mean, like, there's but there's always at least like a at least nine wasn't amazing, but at least it was the matches were decent. What, what was 89s? That was the uh, tournaments that they did the round robin tournaments, and Muda lost three times. Oh yeah, yeah. Still more fun because I got to see some Muda. And I could be mad about something that I cared about. You got to see Muda as many times yep, this time. But I was mad about... I was at least mad about something I cared about. Whereas here, you it's like... twice here. I couldn't even get mad about the tag tournament because... Like, it was tags that nobody's aware of. That's true. At least Muda was over in, in, in 89. There was Muda signs. He was getting cheers. People were about it. That's and then they sent him back to Japan. Which, you know, he was going to do that anyway. I think I like this show a little bit more than you did. Yeah, I think so. But you know what? But I, I think we... Because ha- I did like the Lariat match. Yeah. Better than I you. I want to like it. I just could not. But this show did fly by. like Because we had some quicker stuff. A lot of times a lot we'll of quicker, get... A lot of quicker matches. In WCW... I mean, like there, was four, this... there was 14 matches on the show. So everything kind of had to be quick. snappy and yeah. quick. So. Which I do appreciate because a lot of the times we'll get... Lots of tag matches at this point in time with this promotion, and they'll be all like 20 minutes. And it's just like, they're always pretty well worked, or 
but they should or be less almost time. immaculately well worked. It's just that they were longer than they needed to be, exactly. and it kind of drags because like you're really into it, and then you know you have to deal with like you know some holds or an extended beatdown or an extended like face in peril like a hot tag where you're like oh, this could have been shorter. We get it. You beat the shit out of them. So like I don't need I don't need the third reverse chin lock. The first one was fine. The second one maybe, but like that third, third one, one where he, no, where, where he like gets no. a couple punches in and like you know definitely you run the ropes and you get the third one on and it's like okay like we're I going. Mean, I think far. we're in agreement that if you decide to put this show on, definitely watch the Mexico Japan tag team match because it's fun just to see. Oh yeah, that match is great. See Conan and Rey Mysterio Senior mm-hmm. and Chris Adams and Morgan Smiley. Very good. Four guys that. Very good match. Very good match. Yeah. It's definitely the like street fight. it's probably what? The second best match on the show. Yeah, second Behind or third. I've there's like the yeah, there's street fight, Bobby Eaton, Z Man and that are my favorite things that happen here. And then like I said, I liked the Lariat match. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I wanted to like it. The smalls on that, you know, show or on that match bothered makes, me more makes than it, you. makes it fun. So. Yeah. For, it wasn't for some reason it wasn't fun for me. I'm not as mad at that as I am Black Scorpion or the tag tournament. <laughs> because, like, that was just one match. Black Scorpion was the title, was like a title match for no reason. And then the tag tournament didn't really get anybody over. No. It's like the Steiners did not need to be built up anymore. No, they were already. Absolutely over. unnecessary. Oh, I forgot about the skyscrapers thing. So, obviously, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because so, I was like, was like, oh, yeah. It was, was less than else. two minutes. And it didn't matter. Yeah, there was three singles matches on the show. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are your best moments of this show? Come on, that UFO is pretty fucking hilarious. Oh, we had another singles match because we had oh, Michael Wall Street and Terry Taylor. Oh, Wall Street. I like that. That's fun. It was okay. Yeah, it's not. It's it not. Was, it wasn't. I didn't hate it. No, it's no. Not no. I do like. I like. I like the gimmick, and but like okay. So best and worst. Surprised about Bobby Eaton. Enjoyed the match. It's cool to see Buddha again. The Doom Four Horsemen thing. I feel like Doom should have went over, but you know Four Horsemen are basically booking. I mean, you got to keep them strong. You can't just. They're heels. They can always take you can't, the loss. Keep, you can't keep the. But once you once the, that's the thing. Once the face beats the heel, then yeah, usually the usually yeah, the program. It is over. kind of weird because it's like Doom is not really face or heel. They're just really kind of like they're faces, but not really. I mean, some of the best moments for me that just some of the incredible stuff that you know the Lucha Libre meeting. Oh the, yeah, very good. You know, Mexico and Britain match. Some of the moves that they did in that match, just like I would say, we, we see yeah. we see that stuff now and think it's cool now. Yeah, and then they were and they were doing it way back then. So. There's no like great story stuff here, so basically the best stuff is the like couple of high spots. I mean, the only story that they, really yeah. was moved forward was this the it's Horseman what, Doom. Yeah, and it, unfortunately, it's kind of dropped by the t- next time we see them. So yeah, that's a bummer. But I don't. I'm just so, so like. So tell us what lower, you were low, lower middle. I would say there was nothing to like grab onto. There was no like meat to the bones of this show. It was all potatoes. It was all. It all felt like 
side dishes. So like, it was like a, a, a shepherd's pie, but they were like, you know, were low on the meat. So you're like, you're just like, okay, there's like corn and potato. And like, you know, every six bites, you get a chunk of meat and it might just be a spot. It might even be an entrance. It might just be the, the face is actually trying to help a face. But a lot of it was just like, like, uh, I wouldn't say paint by numbers because there was interesting stuff happening in a boring way. <laughs> it was bizarre. I don't know. I did not like it. It's hard, wanna, it's hard wanna, to talk wanna, about this show wanna for say some I reason. Was, I, I want to say I was disappointed in the Black Scorpion, but... I didn't care in the first place. So it's hard to be disappointed. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the thing. So I was just like, that's like, I think that if that, if there was a real uh, marquee match, maybe I would feel differently about this show, but there wasn't even anything to look forward to. And I, I didn't even I, know I it like, was Ric Flair. I, I didn't I, do the research because I don't want to. I feel like Sting is, his run as champion has just kind of, he deserves so much more. He deserves a much better run, and he just hasn't gotten it. So and far. I, I mean, and I was very happy that you informed me that Ole Anderson is getting fired after this. How about best performer of the night? I don't know. There's a lot of good poor performances let's, in a bad show. Let's just go with Rick Steiner. Yeah, fine. I'm cool with that. I mean, his. Yeah. Th- there are three matches were at least fun, even if they were super short. But he. Did a lot of the heavy lifting for the for the team. Yeah, he's Rick Steiner. He's always he's always great at this point in time. Like, yeah, we'll give it to him because you know it wasn't Ric Flair. No, and it normally is Ric Flair. It's impressive that he wasn't working I was his style. Say, he he wasn't working his style, so that he that is impressive. I was impressed by that, but like, holy shit! I just would have much rather seen him work yeah. his style. Yeah, it's like fuck, man. How about most surprising? Were you surprised at Ric Flair? Yeah, I was. I honestly was, because, like, I kind of figured it out, you know, as I was watching it, and then I was like, it's Ric Flair, right? I guess. Because I don't try to overthink these things. I just try to enjoy it and, like, take it in for what it is. Like, you know, but also I'm very gullible. So, but, you know, it was moderately telegraphed when Ric Flair couldn't perform in the match beforehand. I mean, they they set it up. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I'll I'll give them that. I mean, if he had a shirt off, we would have all known it was Ric Flair immediately. Exactly. So at least they cut that. Um, I was surprised at Alexander York showing up. Yeah, I, yeah, I was definitely surprised by that. Yeah, definitely. Hundred and ten percent surprised. I didn't, and, know, uh, I didn't know she was very happy. About I didn't know it. she'd ever done anything before Marlena. So that's yeah, why I was totally surprised by that. Yeah, I agree. No, and I liked the gimmick. I do too. I, I think too. it's cool. Hopefully, it'll. Get over, and we'll see more of it. I yeah, so, I would appreciate it. It's fun. It's like the it's cartoony for WCW at this point in time, but it's the good cartoony. I like it. I guess it's only good if you like it. It's not the bushwhackers, so that's cool because I hate that. Yeah. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Stan Stasiak had just defeated Pedro Morales for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. But Bruno Sammartino had a title shot lined up for 10 days later in Madison Square Garden. Bruno had been preparing for Morales. After tagging in a series of matches, Professor Tanaka would blind both Morales and Sammartino with salt and they were maneuvered into fighting each other. 
Even after their eyes cleared, they would continue to brawl. But on December 10th, 1973, Bruno Sammartino would regain the championship for the second time from Stasiak, holding on to the belt for another three and a half years. In this time, he would suffer a legitimate neck fracture from Stan Hansen. Two months after it happened, they would square off again as the undercard of the Antonio Inoki Muhammad Ali match. Oh, that's really cool. By April of 1974, San Martino's injuries were starting to get the best of him, and a new superstar was rising. Bum, bum, bum. Next week, Royal Rumble 1991. Woo! It's your favorite kind of show. It's my favorite kind of show. And I believe it may have been... I, I could definitely say it was probably the videotape that I... Watch the most that I watch the most because I oh, remember really? the box. Yeah, the, the, I know the, the art that's on the network. Really, I, that I know though that logo because that's like the most famous Royal Rumble logo. Yeah, where it's like the gold and then like the rumble is in like the uh, like gray like rock thing. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good logo, and the purple. It's like gold, purple, and like gray. So the music from this week's show is the theme from Star K ninety, and Sting still has the belt, so we'll play his theme music, Turbo Char. Turbo. If you like us or you want to let other people know about us, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And if you have Operation Desert Storm trading cards, shoot us an email. We'll, we'll barter. You heard we'll it here, barter. You heard it here first. Yeah. And you can I'm find, looking to finish my collection. You can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us on Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.